Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to DEI After Five. I am so excited to have you here with us today. So anyone that has followed me or my journey in this work um, knows that I really love talking about all aspects of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so today's topic really is talking about the indigenous populations and how we are looking or working with them in DEI. Um, and this is something that has been very important to me because even in graduate school, that was one of the areas that I noticed there wasn't a lot of work being done in those spaces and how to uplift or acknowledge even some of the um, indigenous or Native American tribes that were in our locations um, or even students that were working with us at that time. And so today I am really excited to have with me Sunny Myers, who is a DEI practitioner, um, who is a technologist, who is just all of the things, want to really enjoy um, having her here today. So Sunny, welcome. Hey, Sasha, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So Sunny, tell uh, people a little bit about yourself if they do not know, you know about you. Yeah, um, so my pronouns are she, her. I always like to start with that. Um, I am um, a mama bear to five awesome kiddos. We have a bonus uh, kiddo right now with us. Um, I uh, have an awesome partner um, named Isaac, uh, who really holds my role together. Um, I am a community builder, a rugby coach. Um, I, uh, you know, I really am a, a justice warrior. Um, and that kind of has led me to um, uh, in electrical engineering turned DEI practitioner. Um, and I'm also identify as an indigenous Native American woman of color. Um, my tribal communities are Saponi and Lumbee based out of North Carolina. Um, and I'm also uh, half white. Um, so I have multiple identities in this space um, and just really appreciate you having me here today. Thank you. You know, and so I kind of started off at the top talking about how indigenous populations are often spoken about high level, but aren't really a part of the conversation. And so wanted to just hear from you a little bit about, you know, your work in this space and how you've been able to kind of bring your identity along with you um, to, to help others learn. Yeah, I think a lot of the time we, we hear a lot about, you know, Latinx and we hear about a lot about, you know, Black folks, but really uh, the Indigenous feels, uh, you know, Native Americans specifically feel like a very much invincible community. Um, you know, I've seen many reports where uh, it's, you know, less than 1%. And so they don't even like account them um, in, the, in the progress or the efforts that they're they're making um, on a number of different, um, you know, programs or um, for feedback or, you know, co collective, you know, community reach outs. Uh, and so I think that's really, really hard. And, and I know that my peers who also identify as Native American um, really struggle with that as well. And so we really just come together to amplify our voices, to lift each other up. 
um, across the communities and, and the various tribes specifically around um, in, in tech and in STEM. Um, there's a huge, huge gap there. And while we're making some strides in, in some of those communities, we're not really seeing a huge stride in the Native American. And that's mostly because the lack of, of effort and, and funding and, you know, um, programs around it, right? The, the payback and the ROI isn't as, as lovely, right? It's not as um, compelling as a story when the numbers are ones or twos, but that one and two will literally change a, a tribal community. And I've seen it directly, actually just recently, um, really change the world for some of these communities. And the impact is, is just as significant. You know, both of us kind of have worked in the, the tech space for a while. Um, and even before I got into tech, I worked in graduate management education. So getting students interested in business school. And so doing that, I did strategic alliances. And one of the organizations that I worked with was the American Indian College Fund. And so from there, I started learning about ACES and other organizations specifically focused on American Indians um, and getting access to those organizations. And so one of the things you talked about just now was the lack of intentional outreach. That's not, I can't say it's not happening, right? It's not happening at all. Um, what are some things that organizations can do to be more intentional in this space? Because to your point, that one or two may not seem significant, but it's really huge. Yeah, so I told, you know, it's not like, Stop assuming that every Native American person uh, grew up on the reservation or lives on the reservation um, and, and really lives in that community life. Um, there are a number of those who do, right? But um, there are Native Americans walking amongst you like every day, and you might not even realize some of the, the biggest communities are actually not federally recognized and, and are more state, you know, or locally recognized. And so start thinking outside of the box about how you're connecting with these communities. Um, you know, reach out um, to tribal governments and see how you can get involved. Um, you know, reach out to smaller smaller programs who are doing the work. Um, you know, ACES is a wonderful conference um, to attend. So is, um, you know, softness and, and really combining, you know, uh, Hispanic and Latinos with with Native Americans, right, to a combined space to share a lot of identities, right, and, and common um, and, and common experiences. And so, uh, you know, Reboot Representation is an amazing one for, for really forward-looking. Natives in Tech is another small organization that's really looking to build and, and looking to grow in this space. And we really have a, a really strong network um, within our own communities. And and really lean on to each, to each other to help each other out. But, you know, how do we expand that as, as allies? You know, as, how do you expand that as allies in this space? You know, I look at um, our, our black and brown, you know, brothers and sisters in this space and say, you know, can you come alongside of us, right, to to really uh, lift lift our voices? Because we don't have, I mean, I think people talk to me all the day, they're like, are you going to start a ENG, um, you know, in my existing company? I'm like, that means there's like a lot of work for very few of us. I mean, and it really is. We don't have the numbers to help carry to help carry that weight. And so the work is multiplied um, in those spaces. And so I, I've seen directly impact the, um, you know, having reaching out to one 
um, college, you know, college student and then getting an internship and now getting, a, you know, a full time, um, a full time position. And it's literally the first person to in tech in their entire reservation um, and, and how life changing and how now people, you know, young ones in in her community can see her now um, is so impactful. Um, and I think just asking, you know, asking how, but not expectations that you're going to hire 10 native, you know, I think we have to kind of reposition those expectations and it not just be around, you know, Native American Heritage Month, right? It really needs to be a long-term investment in the communities because as you mentioned earlier, accessibility, right? Um, we, we see this already in black and brown communities and then it's amplified, right? In more isolated communities. Um, what they don't have um, access to even decent Wi-Fi, like not even to make a connection in. Um, And so accessibility is a huge um, barrier as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many, especially in tech, there's so many opportunities um, to to make connections and to learn and to teach. One of the areas that I learned about in grad school was even tribal colleges, right? There's so much talk about reaching out to HBCUs, which I think is so important, but there are tribal colleges out there and many of them have programs, STEM programs that can be enhanced by partnerships, that can be enhanced by really trying to make some of those connections. Um, One of the companies that I worked for, the ERG for uh, Native Americans, started partnering with organizations and even with some of the reservations to help preserve, use that technology to help preserve language. Yeah. Right. And in doing that, teaching some younger students how to code, how, you know, it was just such a natural progression that it was benefiting the community, but also in preserving language, but then also teaching younger generations like this is very possible for you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's those opportunities that organizations don't necessarily think about. It's okay, how can I donate money? But it's not always about money. No. I mean, money is nice, but <laughs> it's always, you know, there are other opportunities to connect with like time and talent as well too. In yeah, because areas. we don't, they don't get to see, see that, right? They don't get to look up. Um, I mean, until my most recent position, I had never worked for a Native American person. And now I work for a Native American woman of color. And it's literally like a dream of mine um, to be able to say that. Um, But when I was doing engineering, right, I never could look up and see myself Um, and like all of all of my identity. Yes, I could look up and see women, even though there were far and few in between. I could. But to see somebody who was a Native American, you know, woman of color and just say that I could do this. And I think that's what really where my passion grew. I also love Sasha, where you just talked about um, tribal community or, you know, tribal colleges. And I see your AKA in the back. Um, You know, there's a lot of Native American sororities and fraternities, and they exist in colleges that are not in universities that are not tribal colleges. Do a search, start there. That's a huge, you know, it's a huge community of, that they already have built. You know, I know in my backyard um, at UNC, they have a huge um, Native American sorority and it, it's mm-hmm. one of the biggest in the United States. And I think like looking outside of like 
there are pockets. Um, you know, we don't we don't like to really leave our homeland. Like we we really don't. And while um, you know, I've moved, you know, a couple hours outside. It's a day trip for me to go back home and, and see what we call see your peoples. Yeah. Um, and I think like when you look around the area, um, you know, I specifically live in, in the Raleigh-Durham area and there are tons, I mean, tons of natives in our area who kind of left, you know, our, our tribal lands, but also like we're still well connected in. Right. And so ask them, what's an opportunity that I can do something at your tribal community center, right? Or can you help me with somebody who, like, I think we are so willing to give you information and be a part of the growth and give back to our community that you would be su pleasantly surprised of, um, you know, how how far you could really go with that. You know, and I think you touched on something that so many people may not even realize, right? Like there's this mindset for lack of a better term, that there are only native tribes in the Midwest, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's all just kind of out that way. What you're talking about North Carolina, I grew up in Virginia, right? Yeah. That's full of, you know, tribes. I live in Maryland now and there's, you know, here. And it's such a big conversation if you are in the right places to have to listen in on some of those conversations, right? And what's important um, to the preservation of those tribes, but then also how you can create community and as we we're saying access and connection and and wanting to learn and grow. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean there's powwows everywhere. Like Google it, right? Search for it and go to a powwow. Invest in the culture, spend money at, you know, buying some fry bread and some Native American, you know, arts or, you know, and, and handmade goods. I mean, like my earrings, right? Like really, really investing, in, excuse me, in and, and, and be like you, there is some, I feel like mystery and, but also this draw into our culture and it is beautiful and, you know, and I feel like that is what, you know, is one of our, um, you know, is, is one of our power senses. We, we, we have that draw, um, but it also like keeps people away because they don't feel like they're allowed to, or they're able to kind of enter that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, there are boundaries, right. And there are right ways and there's cultural appropriation. So we really need to be mindful of that. But there are some ways that like, I think it's like so proud is when people honor my culture, right? And who I am as a person and who my ancestors are and who our elders are. Like, it is so important that they recognize that. And it's like a quick way to earn trust with me. Um, I, I would say one of the not quick ways to earn trust is like, did you know my grandma was like 5% Cherokee? It's always Cherokee. I swear it's always Cherokee. Oh, it's always Cherokee. My grandma was, and I'm like, how am I supposed to respond to that? And it's, it, I know they mean well, good intentions, right? I'm assuming good yeah. intentions, but it's also like, oh, that's, that's great. And I'm like, are you from your native America? Like, I don't get it. But like, it's there. With that being said, there's all different ways to really, you know, surround yourself um, and, and learn about uh, the different tribes. And I don't speak for, for every native American, nor do I speak for every tribe. And all, they're all vastly different of, of what celebrations, right, and, and, and their their history and their story, and um, 
I think that's the one of the beautiful parts about our, you know, our culture is that it's it's so intertwined, but yet it's it's so um, siloed in some ways, um, yeah. in good ways. So, you know, you said something about celebration, and it triggered for me, and the phrase just went out of my head. Um, oh, land acknowledgments, mm. and so. I was having a conversation with someone the other day about how some Native um, Native Americans feel that that is shallow, right? I, and I, in my history, and I'm, I'm still kind of working through some of this, I know it's something a lot of Canadian organizations do. And I'm starting to see a little bit more of that in the United States. Um, but talk to me about what are land acknowledgements, because some folks may not even understand or would know what those are. And then how can we take them from being shallow to meaningful? Yeah. Um, thanks for bringing that up, actually. I love this conversation. So a land acknowledgement is a proclamation for the native land that you stand on and the indigenous land you stand on, depending on where you're at. Um, you know, they're a way to, um, you know, you see them a lot of like ceremonials or like before speeches um, or, or some examples. Um, and you do see them a little bit more. However, I feel like I can count on like one hand how many times <laughs> I've actually seen them in something that I attended like a random, you know, a random thing where I wasn't the one who was like, should we do a land acknowledgement? Can we do a land acknowledgement here? And caveat outside of Native American heritage, but like I always feel like you, you mm -hmm. see it there. Um, and so it is a beautiful way to educate about the Native land that you reside on or that you might be speaking at um, or that like maybe your headquarters are, are based at um, and to really bring education um, you know, about the original um, takers and, and keepers of this land. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think there's something beautiful and symbolic about that. And to just be seen, right, is to be yeah. valued and to be appreciated. And, and that is something powerful. So to say, you know, maybe they're performative. Yes. But what are you going to do with that education? How are you going? What is the call to action that goes along for that? So if you're a university and you have a land acknowledgement and you're doing that before your graduation ceremony, what else have you done, right? What are you doing to support, grow, develop, nurture, increase your representation of America, Native American folks in your university? Um, you know, what are you doing to, to do the same to your staff who might be, you know, Indigenous or Native American? And so I think it's a combination is they can be really good and they need to, there needs to be some sort of call to action or you know, action behind them for them not to be performative. Yeah, I think that's the piece that I've noticed has been missing, right? It's like, okay, we're gonna acknowledge we're on this land and then we move on, <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, what now that we know, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and how do you honor that, right? Because I think that's the piece where people struggle a little bit. It's it's difficult to acknowledge that land was stolen, right, from a community. And then so how do you kind of deal with that? And so it's something I've been grappling with quite a bit because 
you know, my undergraduate university um, has been doing a lot in the space, particularly around um, the enslaved, right? So black community, but then there's, they started doing more land acknowledgements and doing more um, research and history on, okay, so how, what role did we play in some of the colonization, for lack of a better term. Yeah, of, exactly what it is. We're going to call it like it is. It is what it is, right? Yeah. Because there was um, a tribal college, I mean, a tribal school on that campus, yeah. right? And so what did that look like? And so, I, you know, that's why it's been kind of top of mind for me because it's an institution that I'm very well connected to, but I also understand, I mean, it's the second oldest college in the country. Right. So they have a deep history in this work. I mean, we're right out to where Jamestown, you know, Williamsburg, Virginia. So there's a lot lot there. There's a lot to unpack in in that area. So I think that's why it's kind of top of mind for me in. Yes, it's one thing to acknowledge, but it's also another thing to, you know, what does reparations look like? in this space and you know how does that play out on a larger setting in a modern day setting so yeah so that's kind of where my mind has been going with land acknowledgments and seeing um kind of what's that next iteration of that i think um you know unpacking history is is hard and it's challenging i mean it comes with straight harm right that was done Um, And I don't think like anybody wants to feel like they should have to pay for that. They're responsible of of things that our ancestors have done. Right. But we can't know where we're going if we don't know where we came from. And I feel like to really reach our full potential to really reach, you know, like you said, institutions like growth. Right. And really, really be well and do it well. They got to unpack that history. And that doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road to walk and it's it's not going to have a lot of, you know, emotional, emotional ties to it. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the par- like going back to the partnerships, like I guarantee you there are local, you know, native communities that they can lean into that says, you know, could we pay you for your time, right, yeah. to help us do this the right way? Um, you know, it's a good and bad example looking into the residence schools in, in Canada, right? And and finding, yeah, the remains of, yeah. I mean, I get super emotional, like, yeah. thinking about this. And I'm sorry, but. That's okay. Because it's, it's, it's part of the pain, right? That's yeah. part of that history. Yeah. yeah. Thinking about, you know, what happened to these children. Like, legitimately, just innocent children and, and the colonization that happened, if if we can't unpack the history and the tr- like the true what really happened, then we cannot move forward. There cannot be reconciliation. There not cannot be like talks of reparations, right? We cannot get to those until we can at least understand like what happened on the, gra- the, the grounds that we stand on, right? Where was the harm done? Um, and where can we also like build bridges right to to move forward i think like we you know again i'm not going to speak for every tribal community or any tribal community but like i feel sometimes swept under the rug i feel like Mm. you know very much of like you know it's it's yes we want to we see you 
we love that you're Native American. We love being like, you know, that identity. And we think it's really cool. And there's this mystery behind it. But like really what comes of like what happened to my people and how we got here. And, you know, even the stories of, of, of my grandparents, right? And my great grandparents and hearing, you know, their stories and 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 the genocides, right? And and the racial um the racism that happened to them. I and mean, we can unpack a lot here, but even the racism between, let's get real, Native Americans and blacks and why yeah. that was happening. Yeah. And it really was because white folks was creating this, you know, I mean we could go the on divide. yeah. It still happens to this day. Yeah. Like we yeah. people are like, why are like why are Native Americans so racist to blacks in this community? And, and Vice versa. And I'm like, because by design. Yeah, it's because that's what we we're taught. Because if we were black, we we're gonna get treated horribly. And yeah. if you were Native American, you're about it. We were maybe treated a little bit better in some areas. And so it's like, oh, we can't be black. People didn't know. And so there's just a lot to unpack of the injustices done on so, so many underrepresented folks in this area. But I really think that we have to start looking at where did it all begin and how did it all begin before we can move forward? Like, and, yeah. and I guarantee you there's, I mean, there are, I know people way smarter than myself in this space, historians who are like, literally could like recite everything and start leaning on them. Um, you know, go to your local um, history museum, right? Your library. I mean, these people are geniuses, right? And well-versed into this. Um, you know, we have, we have museum curators, right? Call the Smithsonian, the Native American um, you know, Museum and, and start there. There are so many resources that people are like, yes, you want to do the work? We're coming alongside you and we'll help you do the work. I mean, I've not heard one person say, nah, like I'm, I'm too busy for that. They're like, yes, yeah. we need more of that. Yeah. You know, you said that and See, now I'm about to get emotional. Um, last summer, we took our bonus boys to the Native American Museum in D.C., the Smithsonian. And that's probably the only museum that I've ever gone to where I left angry. Mm. I left so angry and frustrated and lied to, mm. if that makes sense, mm. um, in that what was beautiful about it was it, it does a, a timeline of history, kind of what you're taught in school, but then it gave another timeline of like, this is what was really happening. These are the conversations that were happening. This is why these folks showed up at this meeting and what changed, you know, I mean, it was so eye-opening in so many ways, but it also made me realize um, that the racism that we talk about in corporate spaces, like you're saying, like the history of that mm -hmm. and how it manifests today. Um, and then it's not just black and white, right? Like there's, there's very intentional things that are happening. Um, you know, even the, the model minority with Asian Americans, mm -hmm. that's all very intentional. And so when we talk about race and we talk about that in DEI, we have to be very conscious, like anti-Blackness is a very real thing that all of this is tied to, but it's it's not just, again, the black and white. It's how does anti-racism, how does um, anti-Blackness show up, the white supremacy of anti-Blackness show up with Native Americans, with Asians, 
with the Latino community, right? Those are the conversations that we need to start to unpack so that we can realize, as you said, where do we build bridges and how do we start moving forward in this space? And how do we support each other? Right. Like your struggles might not be my struggles, but they're probably that not much the far apart. Right. Yeah. Let's be honest. And while, you know, I'm not going to speak for you or I won't speak for you. And but I guarantee we could have a conversation after this and be like, I just struggle with this. This week. you'd be like, oh, me too. Right. And, you know, I mean, it, it's it's so it's unfortunately so common, um, you yeah. know, our challenges and struggles, especially in this space. But I think the way that we support each other, the way that we amplify each other's voices, right? And even, you know, learning how, you know, yes, I am a woman of color, but I am not a black woman of color, right? I can be white, you know, I could take off my earrings, you know, and, and I could be white passing if I needed to. And I could code switch very easily and get away with it um, and not experiencing somebody with, you know, braids, right? Or, or something, you know, darker skin tone might not, as soon as they step in a room, they're getting judged. And so um, that is, that is real that I've had to learn how to show up better um, for others who may have some commonalities with me, but I don't have their, their same experience. And so likewise, I feel like we could have, I would love to expand the conversation and hence why we're, you know, talking today about how does that go the other way, right? Yeah. How can, you know, folks show up better for the Native American community, especially because the numbers, when you're talking about 17%, 18% on your side, grow, growth, right? 24%, you're like, yeah, we're getting representation. And I'm like, over here at 0.1%. <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, it's it's not, yeah. laughing, but it's, maybe laughing it's real, right? It's so it's real. I think like that's yeah. what we have to think about, like, you mean onesies, twosies. When you look around, you're the only, and yeah. not just the only of like one identity. It's the only of multiple identities in this space. And I think that's extremely, extremely hard to like, to swallow and then not know where to go to. Um, you know, yes, yeah. I could, you know, what ENG do I join? Like I can join these and I can identify with the things, but like really to truly identify with, and to understand the complexities, uh, you know, because of who I am, like, I think it, it can get really lonely at times. Yeah. And I think that's why this is important, right? Because I, I when we first started, started speaking about this, I thought it was important for us to have the conversation around <clears throat> bringing Native American um, challenges and issues up in DEI, because to your point, it gets lost um, and it, it shouldn't get lost. And if you're continuously seeing kind of onesie twosies, it's because you're not being intentional in trying to make change happen, right? If you have one and you say you want to increase that by 50% or 100%, that's only adding another one person, mm -hmm. right? But that can help, right? And it's those things about really being intentional, really trying to not just get representation, but ensuring that people have the support that they need to stay, that they feel valued, seen, heard, connected while they're there, um, that they have opportunities to outreach to others, right? So it's it's building a, an entire ecosystem of support where you don't even have to really recruit because 
people will see like, oh yeah, okay, this organization has some really great programs or initiatives specifically for Native Americans, right? Like that's what you want. And, and I don't think organizations have kind of gotten to that point yet because to your, what you said earlier, there's this invisibility. That's yeah, I think that we we need to stop focusing on just the numbers. Yes, the number matter, but like, yes, data and metrics matter, right? But also like the input has to be like amplified, like increasing. Yeah. So like, what are you doing to pour into that community so that the sixth grader and the seventh grader can see either themselves or somebody else or know about this opportunity? What are you doing to make sure there's, you know, accessibility through tech? Right. I, I have I mentor a number of um, native students and I remember going in there being like, yes, like I'm just going to help them. And like and I remember some of very distinctly three of my students that I mentor, um, they like were first generation college students. They had no clue how to even like keep a calendar. They had mm -hmm. no clue how to like like balance like work like work life school life balance right when do I get to like one of them was a gamer when do I get to game and when do I get like they had no and they could not go back to their their relatives yeah they didn't know yeah. and then you know COVID hit which created even larger disparity gaps right they're going back to the res and they're um, you know their siblings they're sharing a room with multiple you know this is not everybody but this was three of my students sharing a room. Their internet was so spotty. They were having to drive hours away to get reliable internet to be able to keep their schooling. One ended up having to drop back, drop out and go. One doesn't even know how to, like, I was like, there's resume services at your schools are like, really? They have nobody to add. Yeah. And so I'm so thankful that I'm able to bridge the gap with like handfuls, right? But there is so much of this, like, sometimes I feel like it's got big anti vibes. That's what I call myself. I don't call myself a mentor anymore. I just call it big anti vibes, right? <laughs> I didn't bring some big anti vibes. And be more of like a sister and aunt to, to these you yeah. know, students because we see, right, the numbers are increasing, the data increasing that like, you know, in the black and brown communities, like a lot of, yes, they're not first generation college students anymore, right? But they might be first generation in tech. But on the Native American side, the data is showing that there are still so many first generation um, college students. And then mm -hmm. to be able, you know, yes, you know, we're more remote work life is amazing. Right. But what does that actually look like? How are we creating, you know, inequities in spaces where they cannot work remotely because they don't have access to reliable Internet when they go back home or, um, you know, when they go visit their travel communities or where they're living now? Um, one of my um, mentees has to um, live with a friend so they can work remotely. Um, and how are we equipping them and providing them with financial right uh, resources mm -hmm. to be able to be able to do that and and to not be the first generation college student or in tech, right? Or you know, because I remember they they landed their full time job, and I I mean I was bawling, bawling like a baby. I was so proud. I knew they could do it, but like for them to like realize they could do it yeah. and then for them to realize the impact, I mean, I'll get emotional talking about it, but they were like, this will change my tribal community. Like this, they, they, they cared about their self, but they, they were carrying something so much bigger than we can ever imagine. Like yeah. They now could everybody could look to them and say, you can, you can do this. And yes, there are challenges and barriers, but we get, we get to break those glass ceilings. Right. And so I think that's what was really exciting is, is that she, she did this and was carrying a whole tribal community behind her. 
Um, and so I think like when we when we look at the support, it's got to stop being with ROIs. Like it can't like it's actually said like, you know, expand. That's two that you're if you got one or two that maybe you're getting six. I mean, maybe, you know, your larger companies are getting more. But still, if you look at your overall, like I guarantee I've never seen a tech company any company that has such a large amount of Native Americans, they're like, look at us, right? No, nope. yeah. if, if there is one, please tell me. And I'd love to know how you did it. But ultimately, it's like, this is a long, like, long-term game, right? Yeah. This is, we are making investments. Yes, we're going to hear about this now, but we are going to make long-term investments and pour in these communities in a bunch of different avenues so that we're not having this conversation, Sasha, in like 10, 20, 15, you know, 15 years and be like, hey, we grew point one percent again like it's got to change and i I think where it's going to take yes resources that's financial that's people right that's programs it's initiatives and they're not in it to like toot their own horn and say we hire three native americans or one or whatever that is it's literally to say that we're going to right some wrong here and that we're going to make an impact to these communities who we need their representation um you know in our organization it's building that pipeline, right? Like you said, this isn't just about that hire tomorrow. It's the sixth grader. It's the six-year-old. Yeah. And, and making sure that there's a pipeline into these types of roles and opportunities. So I want to do a little bit of a pivot um, because you talked about, you know, the big auntie vibes. And so how does auntie take care of self? You know, what do you do to fill your cup and take care of you because you know you shared you you're out there doing a lot of this and mm-hmm. so what do you do to, to kind of take care of sunny yeah so i think um really it's important to me to like when i'm off the clock i'm off the clock right like i i used to try to do everything for everybody and i reached burnout really really fast i had a really rough six months of of my life and thank goodness for uh, therapy and wine. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that um, I really had to learn. I, I do no meeting Fridays. I take meetings on few exceptions, um, but I have challenging conversations often during the week, um, which leads me to sometimes I need more productive days. And so I do no meeting Fridays. I've implemented now that almost like eight months now, and it's been mm-hmm. a game changer for me. Um, I, when I'm on FTO, I'm on FTO, like maybe every now and then I reach out, but I really, um, even my, my VP messaged me and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to respond. I have to have firm boundaries because this work takes so much, right. Um, when I am on and I want to show up well. And I think, uh, something pivotal for me is when I was going to my counselor and I'm sobbing and I'm a hot mess and I, I show up in full transparent, like help me. And they're like, what if I showed up for you and I didn't take any time off? What if I showed up for you and mm-hmm. I was carrying everything that I carry into this conversation and I could not show up well? Like, do you think I would show up well? And, and you know, this is where I was really shifting from this engineering into this, this practitioner role. And, and she said, you cannot continue to do what you did in engineering. And while that's not healthy in that space, you're entering a whole other level of mental capacity, emotional yeah. capacity, right? Having to suppress some of your, your emotions, right? And and how you identify and what it, what keeps you up at night to be able to have, you know, in, intelligent conversations that are going to influence and coach. And, and she's like, and in my line of work, I cannot show up for you well if I if I don't, um, you know, take those breaks. And so 
I really think like that's helpful. I think the last thing I do is I really find that giving back fills my cup up. So mm-hmm. this Saturday, I'm going to spend my whole Saturday and I'm going to volunteer at a native um, STEM day. And it's not even for my travel community. It's for my sisters. And, um, you know, I want to support her. She has been making waves in her community and I'm going to drive and I'm going to get up super early and I'm going to put a smile on and I'm going to pour into those kiddos and teach them about STEM. And I think that's really how, um, you know, giving back and seeing the change that, you know, I want to be um, is really how it makes a difference for me. Wonderful. Sunny, thank you so much for being here. I think you shared just words that people need to hear because this isn't a conversation that we have all the time, right? We, we don't focus the conversation on our Native American and indigenous populations. And I think that we're missing out on so much when we don't. So I appreciate you truly being here. Thank you, thank you. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to continue the conversation with you? Yeah, awesome. Um, thank you so much for having me. It has been a pleasure and an honor to be in this space with you and be in your presence. Um, I uh, just find me on LinkedIn. So it's Sunny Dash Myers, um, M-Y-E-R-S. Um, I love to chat. Um, I, I really I really make time available for, for these things. That's where I fill my Fridays up sometimes and like the little one-off chat. So love it. Love it. So thank you so much, Sunny. And thank you, everyone for being with us today. I hope that you were able to take a few nuggets away um, from this conversation that you can take into your organizations. And please continue to subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, have a good one.